If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everybody. This completely unnecessary podcast, pre-Thanksgiving edition, Tuesday, November 26, 2019. Ferguson, I'm Pat Country. We'll be talking about how Half-Life is returning. What? Uh, we'll be talking about a, a Pawn Star segment involving a sealed Super Mario Brothers game. We'll be talking about how a gamer spent $13 million on a video game character and his friend sold it. <laughs> And uh, a scumbag of the week is returning, and maybe a Q and A. Ian, you got any Thanksgiving plans? Yeah, I uh, went and bought all my ingredients for Thanksgiving on Saturday. Um, the grocery stores were already a nightmare. I picked up uh, ham, doing ham, doing mashed potatoes, <laughs> gonna do stuffing, green beans with almonds, uh, green beans, potatoes, tomatoes, probably uh, an apple bake. I don't know. Maybe some other things. An apple bake? Is that like a, an apple fritter? Is that an it's, apple pie? It, it, it's, it's a lazy apple thing. Instead of making a pie, you just cut up a bunch of apples, throw them in a pan with some butter, cinnamon, sugar, to cover it with crumb topping. It's the inside it's of a an, cobbler. It's the inside of an apple pie without the, the crust. And yeah, you just crust. use crumb topping. That instead. is lazy, but it's probably still good. <laughs> it's, it's delicious, and I'm, I'm, I'm making everything what? else, so I ain't got the time. Why can't you just do that with a pecan pie? Just have the, the filling. Just scoop it and eat that. The, the, I mean, you can. That's still probably the worst thing you could possibly. I'm thinking of that the pecan pie, fucking corn syrup filling stuff. It's delicious, but it's like the worst thing probably. Oh sure, but it's like the, it's not sugar. <laughs> what is that stuff? It's, it's just, no, it, it it is. It's 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 brown sugar and corn syrup. Just with the corn syrup. I mean, though, it's not. Oh yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. That's, oh, I mean, it, it's. I it's mean, corn syrup. There is sugar, but there's also corn, corn syrup. syrup. <laughs> yeah, we got we got we got to get away from the corn syrup stuff. That's 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 nasty stuff in your body there. Uh, versus real sugar there. I understand, but it's good. He, uh, Frank used to make a... Well, he used to make a sweet potato pie that was really good. Uh, I actually kind of more partial to sweet potato pie than pumpkin pie. I like both, but I like sweet potato pie, I think, better. I like both. Uh, sweet potato pie is actually one of the only pies that I actually make from scratch. I'm just not doing it this year. I love sweet potato pie, but I don't have the time. Uh, I got uh, the NBA Jam book from Ray and Ali. He sent me this. He was kind enough to uh, personalize it to Pat. He's on fire. It makes it sound like you have an STD, maybe. But thank you, Rain. So I'm going to check it out. Ian's already been reading the, the digital version of it. Yeah, it's really, really good. About the history of NBA Jam, right? Yep, it's the history of NBA Jam, but they really take kind of a like a wide-angle shot of it. It's the lead-up to it. It gives you a little bit of history uh, on, on Williams to begin with. It talks about uh, arch rivals. Um, it talks about the you know Smash TV and the games that Mark Turmel and people were working oh, on leading up. So it's, it, it's not just NBA Jam. That's the focal point, NBA but they, he gives you all the lead-up to it. And the there's tons and tons of interviews and uh, like quotes from interviews in it. Check it out, bossfightbooks.com. Speaking of books, Ian, a certain superintendent guidebook's up on Amazon. Woo! Ow, ow. Ian's already left his one-star review. Woo! There. <laughs> Not enough Fire Pro talk. Oh, uh, yeah, check it out there or go to ultimatenintendo.com. I was up late last night 
because I edit, finally edited a video that was shot a year and a half ago uh, with my pal James Rolf. It's going to premiere. I'm looking to premiere it, do the YouTube premiere, which is like putting it kind of on Twitching, where like the first time it goes live, you can have yeah, comments Yeah, it does like count, uh, count, I've I hope I don't regret that, stuff. but we'll see. I don't know mm-hmm. how toxic the, the comments will be versus Twitch. We'll see. But it'll be fun. Twitch is actually getting rid of their premiere. Uh, they used to do the premieres like same way they're, they're getting rid of those. Yeah. Oh, so this is the first time you're doing the YouTube one? I yes, thought you had I done the, that I, before. I did the Twitch, did Twitch one, one. Okay. So I'm going to do that. It'll probably actually get more views than on Twitch. Um, and then that'll be live. Uh, please support it. Support uh, content that a lot of hours and some money went into and some good work from my pal Yoshi who did the CG work. There's there's Hollywood level CG work in in this NES Punk video. And then when Yoshi says, well, he says, well, it's not quite as polished as that, but it's above like Hollywood stuff in like 2004 or 5. I was like, no, this is Hollywood. This is like not sci-fi level effects. When you see the sci-fi effects on their shows and it's like a kid. Sharknado stuff. Yeah, it, it's like a kid, like, in, in, like a high schooler doing it like on some program he torrented. Not to put those guys down, but it's it's low level effects on, on those like, you know, sci-fi, uh, sci-fi channel movies there. And uh, I've been watching a lot of NBA lately, Ian. Yeah, I've been watching a lot too. It's been I fun. have I have, I I feel aimless like I have no team this year, so I've just been watching yes. games. But that's the thing. I actually I think I'm watching more basketball now because I don't have a team. I'm I've been aimless for twenty years. I'm, I'm I'm desperately trying to find one. I mean I, can't I, watch still, the Knicks. I still say it's the Pistons, <laughs> but but I mean it, and it is. I always want the Pistons to win. But what the hell's the Detroit Pistons record right now? It's it's it's, it's abysmal. Bit, it's not as bad as the Knicks, probably. <laughs> oh no! I I I tried to watch that Knicks you game, watch on, Knicks game. On, on Sunday. I it was it was. You got to wait it, for the for the Knicks. It's always what's three years down the line. Six it, six eleven. They're doing better than I thought they were. Yeah, the Knicks honestly. have like three wins. I think maybe four. I'm gonna find out. But uh, uh, plucky little Luka Doncic is is uh is been the. To me, the, the story so far this season, he's in the MVP talks. He's only 20 years old. Four out of 13 is the Knicks right yep. now. Oh, f- four and 13. Four, yeah, I'm sorry, not yeah. out of 13. Right. Four, four out of 13, 13 would have yeah. been as horrible. Right. Uh, but Luka Doncic uh, on, on the Mavericks, he was a Euro uh, player. He went um, he went pro at like 16. People were saying, oh, he's not going to be good because he didn't play in college when he was playing grown-ass men in Europe. You know, big Latvians and Serbians. Like, why couldn't he do well? And he's... I don't know. He's he's going to be one of these all time greats if, if if this is how he continues to play, um, and that's been fun. And yeah, I want a San Diego team that I can go and, and pretend I'm a celebrity and sit courtside a couple times a year. I, I feel like a, a San Diego team is the only way you're going to get me behind a, a California team. I want to like a California. Clippers team. can't come back. It's too late. They're gone. Yeah, I they mean got they've got a great team this yeah. year, and it's fun to watch. I almost, but I just, I almost I, feel like I should. I'm going to root for the Clippers over the Lakers. I think the Clippers might be my team this year. They might be because they're kind of they used to be San Diego. He's played sports arena over here, uh, so yeah, that's what's been happening. Donkey Kong Country twenty fifth anniversary. Just real quick about it. Is there anything we want to talk about? I mean, at the time, I, I thought it was a gimmick. I've actually grown to like the game a lot more the past few years because I've actually been playing it. I streamed it uh, a little bit of it uh, months and months back when I finished up uh, the Super Mario World uh, playthrough for the review for the book. I'm kind of the same way. I I didn't like it when it came out. Um... I didn't like the look of it. I don't. I don't know if I thought it was a gimmick. I just. I didn't. Well, I didn't care for. It. I didn't think it was necessary. I. I even as because I was in. I even when I was in high school, I was kind of like anti the the transition into three D. I've always liked sprite art. Now you're using it for the wrong. That was things. a hair trigger. I barely touched it. Um. 
I, I always like sprite art. I always like that sort of style. So when it was moving into 3D, I actually thought it was a downgrade. But Vani really likes that game, and I started playing it uh, with her again last year, this year, and I actually think it's pretty decent. Four and a half stars, according to certain Super Nintendo it, it's, it's a good game. I think what I think what I didn't like at the time that I thought the mechanics were limited. And, and they are when you look at a game like Super Mario World where you can do so many different things with Mario and fly him around and shoot fireballs and be more precise with movements. Um, but that's not that's not what the appeal of Donkey Kong Country is. Obviously, it's, it's more like sort of cinematic in its appeal. And there is some nice little platforming going on. A lot of it has to do with, you know, like mine carts and the barrels and things like that and, and vine, you know, vine uh, swinging. But no, it has its own charm. The music's fantastic. The graphics obviously were great because, you know, they did it on a computer and rendered that, rendered that stuff out, things like that. So, yeah, Donkey Kong Country. Here's the Donkey Kong Country. Yay. Woo. So, Ian, Half-Life. Yeah. Half-Life 3 confirmed? No. 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 No, it's not. Half-Life Alex <laughs> confirmed. Alex Kid? What? So, I don't know a whole lot about Half-Life, um, but it, it, honestly, it's just one of those uh, glaring gaps in gaming that I need to take care of. You ever play the first one? I have the first one and the second one uh, downloaded on my Steam account, but I just haven't ever played them. Never play the second one. Um but I know they're a big deal. I know people desperately want Half-Life 3. Well, this isn't it. It's a virtual reality-only um, entry in between the first and the second. That is uh, the story of uh, Alex and her uh, father um, leading a resistance against the Combine. Um, it's. I, I have a feeling... I'm surprised people don't seem to be as upset about it not being Half-Life 3 as I thought they would. Um I think people are just happy to see Half-Life coming back in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this sure. is going to be a VR exclusive. I wonder if this is the way for them to really show off their VR. Yeah. And, but then um, I, I think the reason why it might not be Half-Life 3 is I, I'm not sure that they would want to commit Half-Life 3 to just being VR. Well, well let's let's be honest here. VR is, has not caught on. It really hasn't. I mean, it it's caught Main- on more than I thought it would. Not mainstream, though. But no, exactly. I don't so, think they're going to make an. Uh, I don't think they'll I, make half. If if they ever make Half Life Three, I don't think it'll be a VR exclusive. This I think is, they're going to want that to be playable by the most people as as many people as possible. But that's this is the only one of the only ways you get people on board VR to say, hey, we have a we have a Half Life game coming out. Sure, you know, so why not? Uh, which is which is the VR that Valve is behind? Is is it? Uh, index. Index? Valve Index is the VR headset. Okay, see I, VR. see, I even heard about that one. If you can use this for any VR, that's fine. I'm sure, they'll, I'm sure they'll push a, like a package deal with their own VR in this or what have you when it comes out here. So, do you... And you um, compatible with all PC-based VR headsets. It's going to be March 2020. Screenshots thus far depict Alex having hands, <laughs> which is something that was technically already canon... But now her hands, this is from a Kotaku article, but now her hands are, are your hands. Okay, this is trying to be pithy writing. And and you get you get to use items like the enticingly named gravity gloves. Okay. So there are there's VR with the hand stuff you can buy too, right? Um, Tons. Well, yeah, it's all got the motion. So that's cool to integrate that. It is creepy now looking at floating hands on the screen. That is kind of creepy now. Like, yeah. Look at that. I, okay. All right. If you want me to try VR, if this is a way to, to get people to do it, all right. I guess this is like the only thing that you can get people to do is play a Half-Life game because we haven't seen one in 15 years, you know? Um, I Why think not? it's important to note that 
<clears throat> they do say that it's going to be about the length of Half-Life 2, so it's going to be about 12 to 16 hours long. It's okay. going to be a full-length game. It's not going to just be a demo or a small episode or side mission. Yeah. Um, and I would point out that the uh, writers, uh, Eric Wolpaw and Jake Pinkerton are back. Um, Eric Wolpaw is a... I think he's a great writer. Uh, he was uh, responsible for Portal and Portal 2. Um, they did, He had left Valve, but he did come back for this. So... Um, I don't know. I think Valve's games, especially from what I've heard, Half-Life, but a lot of their first-party stuff, the writing is generally considered to be good, so it's important to have those writers. Okay. Well, the the, well, the charm about Half-Life, and I'm guessing Half-Life 2 as well, Ian, if you never played it, was like Half-Life was really the first first-person shooter to literally incorporate a story into the gameplay. Yeah, do, do in-game storytelling. Yeah, that that's why it was revolutionary. Probably one of the top 10, or top 20 most influential slash important games probably um and i'm guessing this will be the same sort of storytelling that'd be great uh to keep that uh according to uh let's see in the press release uh, that valve said um designed from the ground up for virtual reality uh world exploration puzzle solving like the first the first uh first half i did have some puzzle solving here and there visceral combat combat and an intricately woven story that connects it all with the characters iconic to the half-life universe so maybe gordon gets like a you know a little cameo i don't know i'm interested i'll i'll i'm not gonna play it. i'm not down for vr stuff i just am not at this point maybe in the future uh but I, i'm down to watch a let's play of it <laughs> i mean it'll probably be a great story it'll be great uh you know action and it's very half-life's fun because it's very moody without being like a, you know grim dark sure it's just the atmosphere is moody versus being like oh it's all edgy that's it's it's like the thinking man's first person shooter. I never thought like that. It's like the intelligent first person shooter. I've heard that a billion times before. Oh. Yeah. So that seems I never to be about I never thought right. of myself. Yeah. So there you go there. I think that's me. It's going to be fun though to check out. But well, here's the question. If this does will, well, will there be a Half-Life 3? I will say no. It won't matter. I don't think they're going to be committed ever to a Half-Life 3. I don't think they will be. Well, it seems like they've scared themselves out of it if you read that article um, you know, uh was it that article? There was one that I was reading where basically I, I think to get them in to even do this, they had to state that it wasn't Half-Life 3. Sure. Because then I think people would the, the people would have been too afraid to work on it. I think that they've built people themselves... be afraid to work on it? I, I, I think they've built it up too much. Uh, yeah, I think at this point, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Be afraid? This is... It's a video game. Yeah, yeah I, I know. I agree. It's silly. You're not like re- you're not like touching up the Mona Lisa, you know. Like, oh, we, we can't. We make, this would be marred forever, man. Which no one, no one, no one has that mindset with movies at all. We're gonna have like twelve Star Wars movies within the next couple of years. Like, no one cares about potentially screwing up old uh, movie franchises with video games. It's somehow this heralded property. I don't know. I, I just don't think they like they want to commit to it because they don't. It's not worth their their money investment. It's not, it's not worth their ROI. That's to me what why they never did Half Life Three, because they got Steam. Sure, that's that's free money rolling in with minimal work versus a, a huge video game. All right, in interesting little uh, thought exercise here. Uh, there was a profile on Miyamoto that occurred um, in Nikkei. That's a, it's a website. Nikkei, it's a news Nik- agency. Okay, and and. They they pulled out some quotes about uh, 
Miyamoto looking at Nintendo that I thought were interesting. What, what, what do you think here? What's going on here? So he was recognized last month as a person of cultural merit in Japan, and uh, he wants Nintendo to someday uh, have the same level of appeal and acceptance as Disney. But he's still concerned that <clears throat> there are parents who, at least as of right now, are you know still view video games as uh, a, a negative, um, you know, a, a waste of time. And that is hampering, you know, their their worldwide appeal. You can't have the appeal of Disney if your parents don't let you have access to it. So sure. he thinks that you know old stereotypes and stigmas associated with that level of inter- uh, with that type of entertainment are what's holding them back. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I, I could see that being the case, but I don't think that's going to be the case for much longer, um, as you know, parents are now people that grew up playing those games. Um, we have a far we have far less of a um, I think negative outlook on video games than perhaps our generation of parents did. Um, we have we have a more negative outlook. No, we have less negative. Oh, less. Okay. Yeah, we have a less negative outlook on it than our parents did. Um, and I think Nintendo and Mario in particular are already fairly recognizable properties. Um, Mario is I, I'd have to look at, but he's always at the top in terms of list of um you know worldwide recognizable characters it's always like mickey mouse mario ronald mcdonald mr gimmick uh yeah mr gimmick um so i don't know that he's too far out from from what he what he hopes for well i don't know if he's having a a a japanese sort of centric view in this i don't know if if in japan it's more viewed at all they're just kid stuff and then you move on from it i don't i have no idea i don't know the culture or like maybe it's more frowned upon when you get older in japan but obviously the japanese market compared to the rest of the world is it's tiny it's tiny compared to you know North America and Europe, so um, I, I think I think I remember telling you what I, what the what the sort of uh, the shift was three four years ago when I saw within the same month commercials featuring Mario um, for both Fruit Loops and Bowser was on a commercial for I think it was McDonald's and like there was like this montage of like friendly giving and then one was Bowser and at the point I was like. They're starting mainstream corporations starting to use retro games imagery in their in their marketing, and I thought that was. I mean, but does that, does that count as retro games? It's Mario. I mean, he's current too. Well I, well, I mean, like, sure. Well, they're playing Super Mario Brothers on the Fruit Loops commercial. Straight up, it was thirty year olds playing it and saying, "Oh, we're playing Super Mario Brothers." They're retro gaming sure. on the commercial while eating Fruit Loops. So the point is this: is that those kids grew up. They're now over thirty. They're right. forty. So we're now the, the dominant species once the baby boomers die out in like 10, 15, 20 years. There, there won't be a generation left where video games are like this weird thing for kids. Like there'll be less. Every year that goes by is less and less. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah. I think it, it, it's getting to the point where that's not going to be the case anymore. I don't think there is going to be a stigma to it. And, uh, you know, once that's true... Um, I think Nintendo's characters in particular uh, definitely have the chance to become even bigger than they are. I'm not, are. I'm not, not, not to question the, the god himself, Miyamoto. I, I don't know. I've never come. I have not come across someone, at least in in my life recently, in the past ten, fifteen years, where that's that like looked down or laughed when I mentioned like my what I did for work or anything to do with video games or questioned it or anyone like. To, to, I guess to the older people that we'll, we'll say sixty and above, I'll just say. Uh, including my parents, they just see it as something they're not familiar with, not necessarily something for kids. 
I don't know. Maybe that was like our grandparents, maybe that saw it for more for just kids, since they had no connection at well, all to video games. There were definitely parents. I mean, uh, uh, from our generation, I just that, that that were that way. And and keep in mind, Miyamoto is I think he's sixty four, sixty five. So you know, uh, the his peers, sixty five. Wow, it's looking good. Yeah, his peers, the people he surrounds himself with, are going to be of that age where they may have thought of it as kids. So I don't know if he's entirely accurate, but I can understand why, where he gets that yeah. that that feeling from. This is his quote. Many parents want to keep their children playing video games, but these same parents have no problem allowing them to watch Disney movies. See, I think he's out of touch from that statement. Because like when you say something like Disney movies, Disney movies isn't like the main form of children entertainment anymore, and it has been for like right. 25 years or so. And parents now throw tablets... And smartphones at their kids when they're out of the womb to play games. to keep them satiated. It's like a drug. When you're on a plane, when you see them in restaurants, you know, like that's what kids are doing. So I think this could be, again, this could be a cultural thing where I mean, he's, he just doesn't understand like this is not the mainstream way children are being reared anymore. It's not. Kids Kids are playing games through every almost every waking hour versus what we did. When we did, it was like three, two, three hours out of the day we got home from school. You were on the weekends, and now kids are always have them on them with their phones at least at least that's that's what i think here so um so i think that the obstacle about the theme parks to me isn't the fact about children playing video games it's the fact that the media is only video games that's what's keeping it from being an obstacle is that we haven't had like you know super mario brothers and you know legends of the cartoon shows over the past 25 years right we haven't had the movies. Yeah, that's on Nintendo for not doing that. Obviously. Yeah. I, I, so uh, I mean, but I, this this gives a, a little view as to why maybe they haven't. And Nintendo and I talked about it before. They may take risks with some of their systems, but I feel like they play it very safe in other regards. And I think by sure. playing it safe and not having you know modern cartoon shows, you know they are working on a Super Mario movie, but by not branching out into movies, not having their own theme park. And I'm sorry, I'm excited for the Universal one, but I feel like Nintendo could carry its own freaking theme park at least in Japan. Uh, absolutely. Well, they're but they're not in but they're they're not in the business of theme parks, though. right? So they're probably they have always been scared. They can well, grow there, I, sure. I, you know, I, I I think that's it. I think I think the thing that I would say to say to, say to him, I'm not going to say shit to him, um, <laughs> Mister Miyamoto. Sit excuse, down, excuse me, Mister. You Miyamoto. listen to what I have to say, um, <laughs> all right? Uh, no, but I, I I think he's closer to it than he thinks. I, I think Nintendo could become a very very an even bigger brand. Um, but yes, it's things that they're not doing that I think that are holding it back from that. Yeah, but they're going to inch towards it, and obviously the, the, their mouth was was sour or or sore. That no, what's the proper expression? I'm tired. I don't know. Um, but 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 from the Super Mario Brothers live action movie, which is what ninety three. Got a sore mouth from that movie. That yeah, didn't sound good at all. So they, <laughs> but but to but Nintendo's to blame for that live action movie for not having more creative control over that. Sure. We're not. They just sold the rights willy nilly, and just let. That's on them. That's on people that made the movie. They tried something weird and wacky. Uh, so if you're going to get involved with this, you have to be. You got. You got to look over the artist's shoulder. You got to tap them. You got to have a committee sort of, you know, MCU slash Disney sort of mindset. Disney mindset to say like, you cannot stray from this because this will fuck up. Our merchandise. This will fuck up our other TV shows. This will screw up our theme parks. You cannot blow this. And, and, and I cannot have another sore mouth. I you have, have a sore mouth. That I, I don't know where I was going to. with that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got Thanksgiving coming out. 
<laughs> we can't have any sore mouths for any weird reason. I, I need to be able to eat that food. I'm, 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 I'm hungry now. You're fasting there. Um, uh, let's see. But I think over the next four or five years, we're gonna, you're going to start seeing these. You still think that's sore mouths? Uh, let's keep it clean. It's Miyamoto's. It's, it's Papa Miyamoto we're talking about here. Uh, d- Pop, Papa Miyamoto? Pop, mi- Papa I, Miyamoto. I wonder if he's had 40 pizzas in the past. <laughs> That'll give you a sore mouth. Uh, all gr- too hot. All, all, Miyamoto all greasy, sweat in an interview. Talk, we're talking about the Papa John's viral interview that's, gonna, that's coming out where they, pop, they, they cut out clips where he said, there's a reckoning coming from Papa John, which is scary as hell. And he's had 40 pizzas in the past 30 days. They're not the same pizzas. <laughs> And his voice is entirely different from the Papa John, friendly Papa John from the commercials. Yeah. They now tossed him. It's racist Papa John. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's like the dark, the dark uh, timeline Papa John. Dark side Papa John. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. We're getting off topic here. All right. So that movie's supposed to come out, what, in a year or two? That animated movie? It's probably going to be excellent. I saw a weird I saw a weird thing saying that it was going to be based on, on the comic books. The old Super Mario Brothers comic books. I was like, nah, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think it's going to be very Pixar esque, probably very safe, you know. So yeah, all right. And the last thing you said, I've become more interested in creating greater greater opportunities for a larger audience to enjoy. All right, Papa Miyamoto, I think you, I think you've done a good job. You've been fine. You know, we forgive you for any any things that fell through the cracks. And twenty twenty two, by the way, for the twenty twenty two for the Mario movie. Holy crap! And that's like a year and a half ago, didn't they? It's gonna be a fucking epic. Is that better be like yeah, be a better be, epic. That better be Lord of the Rings trilogy with extended versions. I can't wait until Mario comes back from his journey on the seas and finds his dog. <laughs> I understand anime movies take like two years to do, but holy crap! They announced that a year and a half ago. You're saying it's gonna be about three years from now? Jesus. Okay. Sure. All right. Moving on. Did you ever read the Odyssey? No, no, I never saw or the Iliad. No, I never read it. Huh. Anyways, I, was I read just, Beowulf. I, I was just picturing scenes of the Odyssey with, with Mario, Mario instead of and Luigi yeah, on, on, yeah. on the ship. On the All ship. right, <laughs> harpies in there coming back. Yoshi jumps into his arms well, and dies. What are the harpies in that? Is, is it is it the, the the big fish that eats you? Is that the harpies in that one? Anyway, whatever. All right, Ian, Pat. We have to talk about Pawn Stars. Before we really get into it, I have to I have to tell you, uh, Ian will be leading this conversation because um, I, I, I I appear on the show in 2012, which I'm now regretting that decision before this conversation starts. And uh, I cannot talk about how the show's uh, produced in any way or what goes into the show behind the scenes. I'm precluded from speaking about that due to an NDA. So Ian's gonna have to talk about it. But Ian, what was on? Well, I'm not gonna Pawn bring Stars. up anything about how the show works behind the scenes. Um, on Pawn Stars, uh, a a uh, fellow Rich, uh, Rich, what's what's the last name? Well, uh, yeah, Rich, who we spoke about on on the on the show before. We uh, I've met him at conventions. I've communicated with him before, a week before the uh, what we're talking about was being sold. The show, the sealed Super Mario Brothers sticker sealed Super Mario Brothers. He would email me, and we discussed it. Before the sale happened, we were talking about you know the sort of the graded game scene. We have a disagreement about it, but he was always an affable fellow in person, and he's he's at these conventions now. So he took the sticker sealed um, water graded Mario that sold for to them to the, their group of three people for one hundred thousand one hundred and fifty dollars. Yep, back in was that uh, February, uh, and took it into Pawn Stars to have them look at it. Um, he was asked up flat out what he was hoping to get for it and his answer was a million dollars and 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 rick gave that always that good look like he gives that little look like huh 
You know, that little, like, yeah. he, he um, furrows his brow. Which I agree is, that's an insanely high amount to, to, to ask immediately. Especially when just not even a year ago, it was purchased for 100000 and that was considered crazy at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rich calls over Chumley. Um, he doesn't know, uh, you know, he knows a bit more about it. Um doesn't necessarily think it's worth that much but they're aware that video game collecting is a thing they're aware that these games have value they're not dismissing outright the fact that these things can go for you know a considerable amount sure they've had stuff in the shop before they've had uh an nwc card or two they've had a virtual boy they've had a a big you know that that big ceramic mario statue you see from time to time they've they've had some of this merchandise in the store so they know that these things can go for you know five fig uh you know five digit figures um, but they, you know, he even said he, he was unaware of them ever going for, for six, six or even seven or even yeah. seven, which is yeah. what, you know, he was asking. Um, so they called in an expert and they, they looked at the graded copy and saw WADA on there and they called in Dennis, um, the head of WADA grading, um, to come in and look at it. Um, so he comes in and looks at it and he says immediately that he remembers that, um, that, 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 that copy, um, and he said it was the most significant piece of video history to pass through WADA in terms of uh, that's what he said. Yeah, which is a big statement, but I mean, in terms of just the 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 realm of WADA, it's probably true. I mean, versus I, an NWC, you can make a case that that's more important. As, I, I think you, you know, have to go based on the significance of the, the game, the history, itself. and sure. and it, it, I I get where they're going with this. I don't. I, that's not the problem with the segment, right? Um. So then Dennis that, mentions uh, that he he's aware that there was a three hundred thousand dollar offer uh, for the game. He said that, not Rich, which we'll get into. Which he tur- which uh, he says was turned down, and he says the sky's the limit. Um, the segment concludes with uh, Rick. That's his name. Rich. The, no, the guy. Rick's behind- the shop owner. Yeah, yeah Rick. Rick. Rick asking it. You know, says thank you. I've learned a lot. Uh, Dennis leaves, uh, asks the um, Rich again what he wants for it. Rich states, you know, firmly a million dollars. Rick doesn't make any sort of uh, offer on it, and that ends the segment. Um, it's, on, it's on their Facebook. It's on YouTube, but it's a shortened version. The full one's on the, the Pawn Stars Facebook group. The whole time I'm watching it, I, I'm, I feel like I'm watching... Um, it, it, there's, there's nothing organic about it. I feel like I'm watching the making of... Uh, million Dollar Game, the making of um is is how i i i see it um dennis is obviously the head of wada um and he is definitely a person to talk to about these matters but video game collecting is so small right now in terms of this sealed graded collecting that uh and i and i like dennis but if these games look good, if if they build up that this is worth something, um, obviously WADA benefits because then more people are going to be interested in getting First, their games graded. They'll use the service. Right. I don't believe there's, there's impropriety. I don't think he's getting... It's not like he's getting a cut of it, but it definitely benefits them to come out and make it look as... Um, attractive as possible and to build up the value and the worth of the game. Sure, because then anyone else will say, well, I might have a game I'll send into WADA. Right. And, and they'll obviously there's a, there's a charge for that and that's how they make their business and so more people do it. I don't think people watching this show is the target audience that that's going to happen though, but 
it's it's obviously positive if people if people know about it obviously right so it, it just it came across as a commercial and i i gather that that's both 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 specifically in terms of of wada uh, i don't think he did anything more to make it seem that way but just having them on there um well it's just funny though rick says you know i, I you know i'm gonna contact wada yeah what is not in nevada well no yeah. but i mean I, I i figure you know it's what else are you get I, I feel like if he doesn't know he's he flat out says he doesn't know sure i think he looks at the pa- the package goes i know that they are the head of you know they're they're the number one in sure. trading right now we're going to use them it would have benefited them immensely to have pulled in anyone else or a second opinion i think well, to, to 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 make it seem less like an advertisement well there's just uh you want to use the c word but there's a couple c words we can use but there's a obviously a, a conflict of interest if the expert sure brought in to talk about a valuable game benefits from saying the game is valuable because people might use the service yes and he can profit from it it's a huge conflict of interest so at the end of the day it, it's I, I realize what that show is for and it's never very realistic um, you know, Pat can't talk about that, but I'm sure they obviously sweeten the the show up to make it uh, as entertaining as possible. But yes, I definitely don't think Wada should have been the one called in to comment on the worth of sealed Wada games. Well, what was interesting to me when I first saw it was I asked myself because because the seller potential seller Rich, he's not the one that mentioned he turned down three hundred thousand dollars. It was Dennis. Sure. If they were being ethical, the guy running the grading service, how does he know about the inner workings of a private deal that did or did not happen? Oh, and that goes back to what I said before. This is all too small. It's all way too small. So I don't want to... I mean, I, I like Dennis. Actually, I do like Rich as well, even though we've had contentious emails. But it it it's not even like... It stinks of collusion. It is collusion when the person running a grading company is aware of the inner workings of, of deals of a game you graded, and now you're on a show discussing this. It's so weird that the seller didn't say that, that yeah. I turned down $300,000. You know what I mean? You should be, uh, you should be, if you're just a grading service, you should be divorced from any pricing going on or anything like that. You should have nothing to do well, with that. I mean, I'm sure. I understand you, if you're the expert to talk about it. And but I feel like they just, would know. I, I just, like I said, I feel like the whole thing could have been avoided by pulling in someone else. Well, yes. The, the expert shouldn't have something potentially to gain from the sale of an item. Yes. When they bring in the, the, the history guy with the beard, you know, the guy with the hat that comes in, yeah. he just runs the museum, you know, in the county. Yeah. Like he's not going to, he's not buying and selling that stuff or he has no business. I guess if you go in the gift shop, you can buy a little trinket, you know, that's about it. but like, sure. it's not directly connected to the, to the item, but like the Abe Lincoln signature or what have you. So, so I, I, I somehow have eyes and ears when it comes to this stuff. I get messaged about uh, things that happen when this stuff happens. So I got, I got a private email uh, from a source that had something more to say about it. And so, um, what I, what was said in this message was uh, their three hundred thousand dollar offer for the Super Mario Bros. was not a cash offer. It was a trade for a ton of low level ungraded comics. 
That's the message I got. I cannot substantiate that. I have, can't corroborate it. So I, I put in my little journalism hat, and I emailed... The hat with uh, the, the press card on the side. Oh, it said press on it? Yeah. 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 Uh, so I did my little journalistic integrity in the podcast, even though this is a podcast, you know. And so I sent an email to Rich, since we've emailed in the past. Rich the seller, the one, one of the three owners. Remember, there's three owners of the Super Mario Brothers. That wasn't mentioned on the show. You know, I'm not sure that, you know, I just thought that was interesting. Um, so I sent him an email. Well, then it starts to look more like an investment. Yes. But I mean, yeah. No, I'm uh, just saying that's, that's why. They, yeah, uh, yes. They, but they, that's, yes. yeah. It's like, hey, I found this yes. graded slab game in my closet. What's it worth? Obviously, that's not what's going on. So I asked him uh, questions. Uh, did you sign an NDA to appear on the show? Could you discuss anything else? He said, I'm sorry, I cannot talk about that. I hope you understand. Um, I asked about the offer that was turned down at $300,000. Was that a cash offer or trade value equivalence? I heard it was for comic books and not cash. Was it? His answer was, we had multiple offers for the game. I can confirm that one of them did include a trade for some comic books. We did not share any of the information about the values of offers that we have received with with, uh, Dennis prior to the show. He did say that. He didn't ask me though if that three hundred thousand dollar offer was the comic one though. On the on the on the Pawn Star segment, he didn't say anything when Dennis so said that. He didn't share that with him until Dennis showed up for the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's There's two other people in that group. He said we who would share that information then? It's just a weird thing. All right, but I'm gonna take his word for it. Oh, what, what I read that as is Dennis found out at the show. How Oh. That's what I'm reading it as. That's what you're. I'm reading it as. Prior, it oh, was, so it was. I, I'm reading it as someone. I'm reading it as he was told at the show. At the at this pawn star. At the pawn star, oh. something that wasn't shown on camera, which oh. which is not as bad. He's going to find out this information. Okay. That so I don't I don't find that to be nearly as bad. But because like I said, I, CCG guys know what their fucking books are worth. Sure. Um, that that's I don't I don't have such a problem with that. I, I but d- it, 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 it it does it, it does not look good the way they film that necessarily sure. then. Yeah, Rich should have said that. Yes. Rich uh, should have been the one to say that. I I want to know, and this got away from my question, was that three hundred thousand dollar offer the comic book offer? Because if it's a trade value offer, that's not cash. That's not a cash value anymore. The tra- a trade value is always lower than a cash offer. Yeah. Always, because it's not liquid. You're not guaranteed to get the return on on the trade value. You know that working in a store, you deal with trading. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to offer whatever fifty percent, forty percent. So to me, a three if it's a three hundred thousand dollar, if it's hundred cash, two hundred hundred thousand trade, whatever whatever it is, that could maybe only be a hundred and fifty thousand dollar cash equivalency. We don't we have no idea right. what it really is because you never you almost never spend the 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 seller almost never spends or excuse me the potential buyer almost never spends the amount of money uh, cash wise. Uh, versus the trade value because it always appreciates down the line if that makes sense. Right. So that to me is something I want to know. And then I asked, do you expect your appearance and showing the game on the show to possibly increase the interest and or value? If so, why? Very polite questioning for me. Like, like, it's, like it's a freaking Scantron test. Uh, yes, of course, I hope it would increase the interest of that particular game. However, my main incentive was to get more people to see video game games as a medium of art and not just a toy. I've always loved to share my passion about video game collecting with anyone who will listen, and hopefully this appearance will, will introduce our hobby to some people that may have not have realized that classic video games were a collectible, with a capital C. Yeah, I mean, it's it's video game collecting in the commercial. 
I'll, I'll just say this uh, to Rich that video games haven't been looked at as toys for like your 30 computer years. computer keeps making yeah, noises. Some weird, weird alerts going on. So that's all I'm going to say. You know, um, it's not the worst thing in the world uh, that, that they're on Pawn Stars. I just, I just think that it's, it's, um, yeah, we have, there's just some issues for how it was presented that I think anyone watching it might ask similar questions. What we, what we asked, that's, that's the nicest way I could probably put it. Sure. Sure. Love retro games. I do. All about that rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> then rock Heart is the place to pick up all your retro gamer gifts this year with tons of the highest quality tees, hoodies, pins, patches, turntable mats, and more. They're sure to have that perfect gift. The good folks at Rock Hard helped us design the new uh, CU Podcast enamel pin that we're going to have for sale in our shop soon as well. Uh, thanks to the CU Podcast, you can save 20% off your order at rockheart.shop with the code CU Podcast. That's 20% off your entire order using the code CU Podcast at rockheart.shop. That's R O C K H A R T dot shop. Ian, this is an interesting, funny, strange article here. From Mashable Southeast Asia edition, gamer spends $1.3 million on a video game character. Friend sells it for $643. That's I'm at it, Ian. Okay, so I'm just going to read this article. We edited this right before the podcast uh, recommendation for someone on Twitter. Uh, Chinese gamer Lu Mao had spent a whopping $1.3 million to develop his Justice Online character. Now he's pissed. His friend had accidentally sold his character for $643. Jeez this comes, Louise. This comes from a Chinese tech news site, uh, Abacus. Mao's friend Lee made a mistake by listing the character in the in-game marketplace NetEase after suffering from dizziness due to excessive gaming. <laughs> I didn't know you... Have you ever gotten dizzy from excessive gaming? No, no, I have not. You got dehydrated, I guess. Yeah, maybe. That's, that's, I've never heard of that dizziness from excessive gaming. Uh, so Justice Online is a pop, popular man, uh, MMORPG based on the Wen Ruin novel, The Four Great Constables. No no familiarity. That's not what we're talking about. It. In the game, players can choose characters from up to six classes and can battle against other players and non-playable characters, go on missions, and even run it. Run a business. Mao is so enraged that he has hauled his friend to court for his mistake. So apparently the, the judge will be... Uh, <laughs> The buyer has to return the character, and twelve thousand seven hundred eighty-one dollars in damages must be purchased to the player, uh, given to the player who purchased the character, to give to give him something back. Yeah, to give him something back in return. All right, that seems like that's the the thing to do. That's justice. How does someone that gets access to your character, if you're what was he like? You left your you left logged into your to your uh, justice online account. And Ian comes in and sells my pat pat wizard mage character to someone. Yeah, as for Mao, hopefully he learns not to share his personal video game details with his friend, especially if you're hoping to sell your video game character for a higher price, which is absurd. So that's kind of crazy. My question is, how the hell do you spend $1.3 million on a character in an RPG? Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a lot of like different robes and you know, cufflinks that you upgrade. You know, like what is What are you buying at that point? I have no what, idea. It has to be weapons? Yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine... <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that a, a game like that must be hugely pay to win for someone to even think about spending that much money on it. Either that or they're just really into cosmetics, but that's insane. I'm going to look this up. I never heard of this. Is this a phone game? 
No. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, it looks a little more advanced. That looks like a PC game. It's probably there's lots of MMOs that aren't popular over here. Wow, this, this other article said it was 1.4 million. That's a that has to be over years. Yeah, to it do has that, to be. right? How how old is this Justice Online game? I can't even find a Wikipedia article about it. It's a martial arts MMO, and now I'm into it. Martial arts MMO sounds cool. That sounds cool. Uh, yeah, I can't actually find anything on martial it arts is a combat videos. system that focuses combat system combat that focuses on fluidity of martial arts. Six plus ca- uh, classes, special NPCs have a story to tell. Two point five D and three D perspective switch between two different game perspectives. That's pretty cool. Interesting. Three D. Uh, that's that's interesting. Uh, there. All right. Okay. This came out. Um, the beta was was. July 2017. This game has been out for less than two and a half years. And this person spent $1.3 million. Says it's completely PvP, too. 1.3... Hey! Hey, what's this guy's name that did this? Oh, Lou? Hey, Lou. Hey, Lou! Give me a slice! Uh, Lou. I understand you're well off here, Lou. No, Mao. What? It was M-O-U. Lou Mao. That's his name. We're calling him Lou. Okay. We go by Lou. He's my buddy. I see. We hung out with Ninja the other month. Oh, good. Um, Lou, buddy, you, you got you to dial it back on the money being spent here. I know it's your money. Do what you want. But, oh, my God, there's other ways you could spend this money. And you're not helping. When these stories come out, that makes the Chinese Chinese government you're like, what the hell? I'm sure that we, got, we got to tax this stuff more or whatever or, or cut. The, well, you're an adult, though, so you can probably do what you want. As for the as for the friend, I don't know. This this is this stinks, this story, because the friend how would you why would your friend sell something like that like i don't understand like yeah there's, there's not, something going on here there's definitely there's some details drama. that are not uh that are not given in that story this is like a jilted friend sort of thing you know I was upset you didn't get me a birthday present and so i'm going to sell your character that you spent 1.3 million dollars on for first what was it 643 dollars <laughs> you imagine being in the court you're the judge here you're at the uh hongya county court of Sichuan province, not Sichuan, Sichuan province, and and you need to rule on this. <laughs> like what the hell? And how do you get such a specific number? Twelve thousand seven hundred eighty-one. So it's sort of multiplier you put in, or maybe the judge is a fan of the game. I don't know. <laughs> maybe the judge is like, you know what? I'm I'm into this justice online. <laughs> I just watched the entire trailer and I, there was not a single, not a single screenshot of gameplay. Well, it's martial arts. Yeah, they're not using weapons. So then you're not buying weapons. Maybe you're, you're buying skills. Oh, you could very well be buying. They're weapons. shooting stuff. Okay, there's probably there's there are weapons. There are weapons. Okay, there, it, it looks like a mobile game kind of the way I'm looking. I mean, now mobile games look like PC games, but um, you're in a party there. Okay, it's probably a fun game. I like the fact that it's martial arts RPG. I'm actually into that. Okay, all right. That's that's all. It's just like it's like our fun story that yes. we do. That'll get like a, like no, no views on YouTube, but it's it's fun. <laughs> we do it for us to keep our to keep our palates cleansed, and you know, so we don't fucking murder each other on camera one day. You know, that's that's uh, it keeps us going, keeps us happy. All right, um, do, do you want to skip this jack of all trades? No, you know, I, I'm talk gonna about talk. It. I'm gonna talk about. It. We got it. We got a half hour. Uh, we can talk about this. Yeah, we have plenty of time. So uh, I checked out the the jack of all uh, trades documentary. Um. And it, it deals with uh, an ex-child actor from the 80s and 90s uh, named Stu, Stu Stone, who also did like 
voice acting for like 30 different things like Magical School Bus and then like My Pet Monster cartoon, ALF cartoon. Like he did all these like more esoteric cartoons like in the 80s and 90s. Wild. And uh, I was like, wow, that's awesome. What are the res- I was, all I thought was, what's residuals on that? Did you, did you have to work ever again? We worked on like 30 cartoons in the 80s and 90s. Anyway. Um, so he, his dad owned uh, one of the first big, um, in Toronto, owned one of the first big baseball card shops and opened like 10 of more of them. Sluggers. Sluggers. Like a chain of baseball card shops in, uh, what was that, like uh, late 80s, like 88 or 89, what have you. They open a, a shop, and so he gets into it. That's how he bonded with his dad. Um, and then his dad, then like two weeks after his bar mitzvah, after Stu's bar mitzvah, just leaves his family, leaves his wife and two kids, and goes and starts another life, another family. And so this documentary has to do with that, while also looking at him going back and finding his old baseball cards. This is what was more interesting to me. The family stuff was interesting to the extent they had to put some drama in there. Uh, but what's more interesting to me is that the fact that he found out all his baseball cards are worthless. All his upper deck cards, his box of scorecards, all the cards he had, in, you know, his all his Jose Canseco cards. And he talks to Jose Canseco in the in the in the movie, which is one of the best segments because Jose Canseco is like a down to earth fun guy. He doesn't give a shit about no, anything. No, he's not down to earth. Or that guy is fucking crazy. Well, I mean, like conspiracy it, theory, wild. Well, I mean, like he's down to earth in the sense that he'll talk about anything. He's okay. A, he's. I don't know if that's the term I'd use for Jose Canseco. He's the but. first guy that said all of us are on steroids, and he was right. And everyone called him a lunatic, sure. and he was right about. It. He wrote books about that in the early two thousands about that, and he was. He, that's what I mean when he's down the earth. Anyway, I don't know about was he a flat earther. Anyway, um, so he talks to, to Jose Canseco. He talks to uh, there's a Burbank is like the biggest video game. Excuse me, biggest baseball card and sports card. It's like 13 million cars. There's a place in Burbank that's a dealer. He talked to uh, people from Upper Deck, uh, newer people. Uh, he talked to just a lot of people. He talked to um, uh, there's a guy in Nevada knows Jose Canseco. That's a that's a uh, ba- baseball card collector. Has one of the biggest private baseball card collections. It's like millions of cards. So it was interesting because it was a moment in time, you know, late 80s, early 90s, where baseball cards was like the, the hottest collectible. It was, it was, everyone collected baseball cards. I started with my 87 Tops cards. Ian might be collected cards. Whoops. There goes my phone. Wow. I never did that in 800 episodes of podcast. Jose Canseco uh, on El Gore. El Gore was ahead of his time. I miss him. Rest in peace, buddy. Okay. He might not be, the, the steroids might have done something to his brain. That's not the point. <laughs> anyway, so. I need an attorney. One more. I need an attorney pro bono. My landlord evicted me and would not let me take my chandeliers with me. Need your help to get them back. Okay. <laughs> In the documentary, he was fine. Anyway, so there was a moment in time that, like, every kid collected baseball cards. I had baseball cards stolen from me when I was in kindergarten from the eighth graders in the back of the bus. Kind of traumatizing because I was into it. I was, like, even five and six. I was even before the big rush. I was into this stuff. Oh, no, no. I was, like, I was like no. I was, like, first degree. I was, like, no. I was, like, seven. And and I, I remember the one guy, Greg, and Mark. And then Mark claimed he didn't steal it. It was that piece of shit Greg that stole my baseball cards, including my Don Manley rookie I had. Or second year. Anyway, sorry. So, um, who would do that to a, like a fucking six-year-old? Titanic, Kid- 100 years. Wow, global warming could have saved the Titanic, sad to say. All right, Ian. <laughs> that's not the point here. It's turning into a Jose Canseco bash fest here. And he's a bash brother. And he's still jacked, by the way. I mean, with steroids, you know, he uses them safely now in his 50s. Who cares? He's not playing baseball anymore. Um, so, the point is this, is that 
he goes he goes to a card show and tries to sell his you know he has boxes of you know here's the whole upper deck set here's this set here's this set and he's saying yeah this is worth and even unopened like wax box sets wax packs he's like oh what do you want from these oh they're worth like maybe ten dollars but i gotta try to make money so you know this box of like eight packs of cards boxes is worth like 20 bucks total right to it to a dealer at the show and so he's like disappointed about it then he starts to research you know what happened in the 80s and 90s and what happened was this was a, a created bubble of, of collectability mostly by upper deck when they got into the market in 89 because when upper deck got into the market they they marketed themselves as the premier uh, sports card, if you remember that. Yes. They were glossy cards. They weren't like Topps cards were just like made on like, you know, dirt cardboard. Yeah, you know, I mean, they weren't they're, glossy. They're not even, half the time they're not even printed properly. Yeah. Th- yeah. It's not high end. And, and at the time there was Donruss, there was Fleer, there was uh, Score had just started, I believe, and you had Topps. And then you had Bowman as well. Bowman was getting back into the uh, trading cards after like being on the market for like 35 years or something from the 60s. So you had those big ones. And then Upper Deck comes in and says, you know what? We're going to charge $2 a pack, which back then was nuts. We're going to do the foil packs that you can't unopen and put back in. Right. And we're going to put the fucking hologram. Remember the holograms in the back of each card? Mm-hmm. <coughs> which means you can't repro them uh, easily. Uh, so they did all that. And they created this boom. And then part of that was putting Ken Griffey Jr., who hadn't even played a Major League Baseball game yet, and he was the number one card, literally number one, for that first premier upper deck set that came out in 89. And that blew up the card market even bigger than it was, because it was big already. And then um, they just started printing more and more stuff, and then there was a collapse in the whole market within like four years. By like 93, there had already been like a collapse. And in the midst of all this, they talked to Don, our buddy Don West... Uh, is, he, is he a conspiracy theorist, Ian? Uh, no, Don, I, I mean, I don't know anything about that. But he was just talking about how, like, they, remember watching watching them sell those card sets. I remember watching them in high oh, school. Oh, I mean, I know Don, I don't know, I don't know personal details. I was going to say, Don you want to derail the topic? I might. Anyway, Let's find out. Now he's going to do it. So, but there was a time where baseball cards was looked at as these collectibles because they were scarce from being thrown out by the parents back in the 50s and really baseball cards blew up in the early 50s with collecting. There were baseball cards going back to the you know late 1800s, tobacco cards, but early 50s, I think they said 51, 52 tops was like when it really was established this is a baseball card set. That was a modern baseball card. So, um... I didn't know Don West did TNA. Yeah, since almost the beginning. Huh. Yeah. I've never really watched he, TNA. Then he left it. Is he, did he come back? No, I just did. He was on it for like over 10, 12 years. I just, I typed in Don, Don West. I typed yeah. in Don West controversy. Didn't really get any controversy. Well, good for Don West. He can sell me those samurai swords and, 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 and you know, that was the other guy. He didn't sell the samurai swords. He just sold, sold the beanie babies and the baseball card stuff. So the point is that you had this bubble of a market that took tons of people's money. Uh, kids in particular, but adults as well. My dad was in it. My, my dad was my dad was buying more early '80s hockey cards that weren't uh, artificially, uh, you know, inflated for that. And that was one of the things they paused. It's like, well, Upper Deck started pumping out these cards because people thought it was an investment, and they might have been pumping out allegedly just that Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card because that was the big hot item from the set. And and so it it, was, it really talked about it didn't talk about the the danger of, of it, but it looked at how many people made money. Off it, like his dad made money off of. He even asked his dad at the end, who hadn't seen like twenty years, like, do you, do you feel bad about making money off the kids coming into the store? And the dad's like, yeah, you know, it's a, it was a thing that happened. Like all the companies made money off off of the people thinking they're going to get rich holding on to these cars for twenty years. 
And now when you go to the swap meet, you can't give away. I, I, last I went to the swap meet, there was like a whole table of like thousands of cards. Some were in the little case. I didn't even bother to check what they were because I knew they're all worthless. You know, yeah, they I are. Know, I mean, I, I was telling you about it yesterday when you brought it when you brought up the the documentary and that you had watched it. But um, I have like four or five friends who, within the past year, just got a wild bug about a year ago, and they started buying boxes of old wax packs yeah wax packs and stuff like that um and uh they weren't doing it in hopes of making money but they were just doing it because it was fun but they're buying these boxes for 10 20 bucks a box you know i mean there's like no value that could be high yeah (laughs) um you know depending on what year it was and what card company it was uh they're on ebay for you can get for five bucks either an 87 Tops, Donruss, or Fleer baseball wax pat lot, pack lot, and they'll send you one of the three random ones for 5 bucks plus $4 shipping. Yeah. So $9. $9 for what is that? What is in a wax pack box? Like 30 packs of cards? 40 packs of cards? 50? Something like that? I think it's 30-something. Isn't that insane? Yeah. When we were kids, we bought them for like 75 cents a dollar a pack? Something like that? For cards? They produced uh, billions of cards they produced. Not millions. Billions of cards they produced. There you yeah. go. Tell your friends about that that auction there. I mean, I I could have been claiming that they paid more. I think I think, um, I think my buddy Lincoln paid like ten dollars total shipped for like his first box of something. So the, the point is, they're worthless. That. I mean, yeah. that's the point. Nothing. No baseball card probably produced after eighty one is probably worth anything because there's too many produced. You know, if you get into like the basketball cards and hockey cards, there's a lot less produced. Like those, that first year was it 86, 87 Fleer uh, basketball cards are all worth a ton of money because they didn't produce basketball cards for like six years. So it's like the rookie card for like Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, Ewing, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon, like all these guys. And now what they do, even what I think is interesting, they have like collect that you can look up like 50s uh, baseball card pack. What these people do is they they get old cards, they repackage them, and sell you a pack of cards for like two hundred fifty dollars, and like they'll produce like maybe you know a, a five hundred packs of them, and there might be a Mickey Mantle rookie card in like one of those packs, like they put them in there. That's it. but you're spending you're opening up new packs of cards of old cards that they throw in. That's like a thing now to get the, that gambling bug. That's into. crazy. But you can still buy like unopened, like I said, eighty six, eighty seven Fleer packs in the hope of getting like a Jordan rookie card, which is worth like mint probably like fifteen grand or so, something like that. So I just think it's interesting, and it's always it's and to me it's a cautionary tale. Whenever we talk about uh, collecting in any form, whether it's uh, Beanie Babies or you know comic books, had a surge and crash right after baseball cards did, almost the same way within like three years it rose and crashed in the uh, mid to uh, mid nineties. Um, this can happen with anything out there. It could happen with even old video games because there's a ton of them out there. It could happen with anything. It happen with Star Wars figures. It happen with as, 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 as When people don't realize after a time that this stuff is worthless or they hold on to it and don't get rid of it and 30 years later it can end up in that kid, kid's closet the same way you try to bring it back, back out it's worthless. No, no matter what it is, it could happen. So that, that's all I'm trying to say. I, it was very interesting just for that aspect. The family stuff, your, your mileage will vary. Uh, it's on Netflix, though. Anything else to add, Ian? You have any, did you collect any any sports card when you when you were a kid? No, I didn't. I, I did baseball, but then I switched to hockey. Remember, I got into like uh, Stadium Club, which was like the Topps premier card because they. I they, remember those. They got the glossy idea after Upper Deck, and then the market was tanked in like two years. But no, there used to be a baseball card shop uh, every other town. 
There used to be. Yeah, we used to have a big one in Buffalo. I used to go there and buy, like, just stupid bullshit. But, they, I mean, they had an NBA Jam machine. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I used to buy, like, magic cards and stuff there. But, yeah, I remember. And now you don't really see that anymore. Is there one in San Diego? I'm going to look it up I right now. I think there is because I think John went to one. Plus, you can buy that stuff at, like, comics and stuff. You can buy the boxes and whatnot. I think they get in an uh, unlimited amount of, like, the, the current boxes, which are all very expensive. There's Claremont Sports Cards. That's our that's lo- local-ish one. Yeah. Okay, that's what we got. There's this one that says Internet's, Internet Baseball Cards. No, we have one shop. Yeah. There's a, there's a sports card collectible shop uh, near San Marcos. And and we have Claremont sports cards. So that's that's so that's like one, and there's also all star cards out east. That's not even San Diego anymore, I don't think. So there's like maybe one or you want to say two in all the county. Yeah. Of San Diego and San Diego is a big county. So that, that, that there you have it. All right. So comic books sort of came back because comic books you actually can read and enjoy. Right. Kind of hard to look at a baseball card and do anything with it. After, put it in the spokes of your. Of your of your bike, which I did, by the way, I did that. You ever do that? Did you do that mm-hmm. when you were a kid? Oh yeah, I did that with like a. Uh, I had whatever cards I could find. I don't know. Like, Eighty-seven tops. Yeah, so probably the most famous sports cards. Eighty-seven tops with yep. the, the wood baseball bat grain on there. You know, did, did you have a Billy Ripken fuckface card? Did you have? Did you have one of those? No, I did not. <laughs> Remember that yes. one? Remember the error cards? Everyone was after the error cards back then. Oh yeah, the misprints or the weird stuff, but only certain errors because plenty of those cards were just printed poorly. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about like the ones yeah. that were like just bad errors like they included stuff they shouldn't have you know they like, like they dealt up the guy's arm or something i don't know all right that's it check it out jack of all trades it's on netflix ian we have a scumbag scumbag of the of week 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 we, we haven't done a scumbag so the week in a while because it seemed like they were starting to repeat themselves whether it was people you know uh s- selling uh retro pies with loaded games up or if they were selling, um, you know, like labels that they said were authentic and we got on them and people come after us for saying we have the right to label our games and it's not the point. So we decided to, to put a, not a moratorium on it, but we, we couldn't find anything new. So this is retro-naught.com. What is this, Ian? It is a, oh, it appears to be a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> so... It's a Raspberry Pi being sold for the deluxe one for $192. That you get 20,000 games, uh, you know, Turbo Graphics, Sega Genesis, Neo Geo, MAME, whatever, Commodore 64, and many more, ColecoVision. Doesn't list Nintendo consoles, which I think is interesting. They want to keep the big N off their backs. I can almost guarantee you they're on there. No, it, they don't want to it listen. says it right here. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, like if you look at the standard Retronaut console, it tells you that it has Nintendo 64, NES, oh. SNES, Game Boy, Game Boy Color. Oh, the Deluxe um, doesn't say that. The Deluxe one, I think, is, you know, I think that's what it does. You go down just a little bit further. Nintendo 6, yeah, PlayStation 1, Dreamcast, N64, Neo Geo, MS-DOS, NES, SNES, Game Boy, Sega Genesis. Oh, I don't see that. Is that on the game list? It's on the, the right. web page. Not the, the point. The home page. <laughs> All right. They're not even smart enough to not do that. Okay. Either way, you get like four USB ports. You get like, uh, you know, your little Bluetooth controller, it looks like. You know, your standard, like whatever, $25, $30 controller. There, you get $20,000 games. So you get a Kodi player. Okay. Are people still doing using that stuff? Even you know, what, Why is this so egregious versus the other 1,000 people trying to sell their retro pies out there? Well, because it's got the games loaded on it, and uh, it's nearly $200. 
That's 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 a, a, egregious. What's the second reason it's egregious? It's named after a popular uh, retro gaming podcast. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, which is not good, and I can't imagine the people who run that podcast are particularly happy with it. Uh, who is that? That's uh, Bob Mackey, and who's the other one? Is it Jeremy, Jeremy Parrish? Who does? Uh, okay, I couldn't remember if that was actually his co-host for that. I know they do a lot of work together, and, but I didn't know if it was that. And the logo for the Retronauts podcast is a, a space he- helmet. Space helmet. Yeah, space like spaceman helmet. The logo for the Retronaut is a space helmet. It's 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 eerily similar. So yeah, it's kind of gross <laughs> that whoever this is is trying to play off the popularity of you know a, a podcast that you know has nothing to do with selling ROMs on a Raspberry no, Pi. <laughs> we never talk about the Retronauts podcast because uh, you know we don't bring it up. I'm sure it's just fine podcast. It's on Patreon. They usually like uh, talk about like moments in time in their podcast or particular one particular game in their episodes. Yeah, it's, they do really good deep dives on. They all do that de- stuff. It's a deep dive podcast. It, the, the, the Pat and Ian podcast is is a smorgasbord of like cheap Chinese buffet items. Yes. You know, we're not, we're not, you're not, <laughs> but you get a lot of it. You get something you like. They do one thing. They do one dish, you know, one dish each, each episode. So, um, and then, okay. So the, what else they got? They got, they got the, the controllers and accessories here. Um, they're selling USB controllers for different consoles. Uh, you know, like N64, it's a one-stop shop. You can get your 360 USB controller, but you can use with your retro dash, not deluxe retro gaming system here. It, it's just gross. We know it's gross. When you, when you, I guess they're trying to work off the the SEO potentially of the Retronauts podcast. I have no idea if they are, uh, but uh, yes. Oh, the deluxe one, you get MS DOS games too. Fuck. Ooh. All right, six hundred fifty games for the system. If okay, this is good, if you want specific games, just let us know, and we can try to include them in your system. Be understanding that these games might not be as optimized as the games that are included on this list. We will need to make space for this new game you want to add. We will need to make space. What do you think? I like delete something else out. It's silly. It's egregious. Is that it? It's our scumbag. And it, they're advertising it. The, like the picture is just funny. It's an N64 controller sitting on a leather chair in a car. Oh, you're, oh, you're right. From from the main screen. That, that's yeah. that's interesting. And it's it's a real N64 controller. Yes. Um. Okay. Anyways. Is that a Pong knob in the middle? What is that knob no, sitting that's a, there? No, that's a center console in a car. I don't know what it is, but that's... that's... From, like this, from like this early 70s? What is that? It's like a, it's a twisty knob. I don't know. Oh, it made like your own heater, your bucket seat yeah. heater? Okay, that's an expensive car. All right, anyway. Oh, it's a grand opening sale, by the way. Made, 20% made... off. Oh, there's a GameSpot quote? That has to be bullshit. This is the best retro gaming console out on the market right now. Smoothest gameplay, best controllers, and the most refined library. From Jeremy Den at GameSpot. Is there a Jeremy Den from GameSpot? See if he's controversial. Jeremy Den, GameSpot. Is that an actual person? No. No. I don't think it's an actual person. No, I'm not pulling anyone up. And GameSpot's 2018 holiday uh, or best retro gaming hardware doesn't have any RetroPie bullshit. It has real products on it. Yeah. Like wired controllers uh, for Sega Saturn. Uh, you know, new controllers. The Hyperkin Duke controllers on this list. Um, the Holy Diver uh, R-Type Returns is on this list. Uh, you know, the Hyperkin Mega Retron. Real products, not garbage. Yeah. So, all right. That's interesting, I guess. The Hyperkin Ultra Game Boys on this list. Does that ever come out? Nope. 
and there came out interesting all right so they made up a quote allegedly by a guy that, that doesn't exist is, is is that right yeah the only thing i could think of is maybe it was like maybe it's a guy who commented on an ad in there or something <laughs> like that. you can't say the person's from game spots all right, this is a fun. I'm glad I found that. That's sort of the, 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 the cherry on top of this scumbag yeah. seller of the week. Ian, we have a Patreon. We do. Whole topic. Ian, how do you access the Patreon. CU Podcast Patreon? Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. And, and, what, and what Thanksgiving nuggets do you get there? You, do, get, you get thanks for it. You nuggets. get, you get uh, writings, which I'm going to do on today on Thanksgiving. Um, You're going to do it on Thanksgiving? We're going to do one today about Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving. I was yes. going to say, you'd be too too tired from that tryptamine. <laughs> and uh, we released the full video podcast, and you get to vote on uh, the questions for this poll. Every week. Every week. Every week. Our poll, you can you can vote on our poll. All right. Uh, in third place, at four, wow, the last couple of weeks, the second and third place have been suffering from the first place responses. 14% do this master party characters encourage players to try it in the game. Second place, sixteen percent, is are the Marvel heroes heading in the right direction? Moving on from the A, A heroes to lesser known heroes, in first place, seventy percent. Is that the highest ever? That's or, high. There's, I think, there was one that was higher. Do you feel old, Ian, thinking about games from your childhood? Oftentimes, yes. Um, not, not, not when I'm just thinking about them. Uh, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I played Sonic two a lot, or I played Ducktales a lot, or uh, <laughs> things like that. I don't necessarily. Uh, feel old then it's the constant reminder that x game has just turned 25 years x console has just turned 30 years old, and that gets me so like and it's always on twitter yeah so donkey kong country now being 25 years old yeah that makes me feel pretty old uh when the game boy hit its 30th year uh i felt old because i I just saw a link's 30th anniversary article too yeah so yes i i definitely start to feel my age when when you know people talk about the release dates of certain games. Can, can I just say this? I'm not trying to criticize I mean, the Dreamcast it. is 20 years old now. That's That makes me feel old, too. Yeah. That's crazy. Can I just say this real quick? I'm not trying to criticize people that run, uh, you know, Twitter accounts like Games You Loved or Remember This back then. Can we stick to, like, 5 and 0 as our anniversary years? I don't care, like, oh, Metal Gear Solid came out 16 years ago to... Keep it to five and zero. Well, they There's enough the... games to fill in the blanks, I think. There still is enough. Well, then what stupid fucking vapid clickbait bullshit are they going to post okay. if it's, but if it's I literally not... see stuff like, it's been 24 years. Can you wait yeah. till it's 25? We're going to have to repeat it when it's 26. Sorry, that just bothers me. It's just a, it's a weird anniversary thing to do. Like, oh, nine years ago. This Xbox 360 game came out four years ago. Remember when? It's I like... fucking hate accounts like that. Okay, it needs to be a little stronger. That. But they get a lot of views. They get a lot of views. But I, I'm just going to say there's a there's a space for it, but keep it to fives and zeros. All right? That's all. Sorry. What was I saying? So they, they make you feel old when you get reminded when they came out. They Rocky Possum came out 23 years ago. Where were you? Rocky Possum. Fuck, I, goddamn. <laughs> I hate that shit. Okay. It's so fucking lame. Well, they're popular. Have a real account. <laughs> Do something instead of fucking pulling up a picture of a box of a game that came out and saying, "Remember, fuck." Was Rocky Possum a game? Awesome Possum was. Oh, awesome Possum was, and Rocky Rodent was. I mixed the two of them together. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, do, it, I didn't do it on purpose, but yeah. 
All right, that's going to be our first indie game we collaborate What Rocky Possum. Rocky Possum. It's a boxing the- possum game. Rocky Possum and the Sore Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. That's that's an interesting video. Okay. All right. So that that one account that followed me is going to stop following me because they do that. They, they follow 25,000 people. Might be a bot account. Do okay. you remember? <laughs> Old stuff is cool, right? Yeah. Old stuff. Well, there's some nice ones that be like, remember this commercial from like 1987? It's okay, I remember that. Okay, oh, there's anyway. some that are fine. There are some that do it a little bit better, but Jesus, no, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I've been harboring this deep-seated <laughs> hatred of accounts like that for so long. I mute and block them. <laughs> you block them? How do you see it from retweets? Yes. From people? And I, I, I constantly mute them and block them, and it's like, I'm sure that they are run by nice people, and there are a couple that I keep up, but it's like, why do I care? Like, the, you're digging from the dregs of fucking... Nostalgia? I, I can do one right now. Games released today. <laughs> and then you see what came out. Is Rocky Possum going to be on that? Yeah, Rocky Ni- Possum. 1987 Amiga game? What is <laughs> I Whatever. <laughs> okay. Take a hit off that nostalgia rock. We got Rocky Possum coming out 25 years ago. Remember when? <laughs> okay. Here's the advertisement. I just want to get to a Washman conversation because Adrian Veidt sold a nostalgia uh, perfume. Like, Lost is brilliant for a lot of reasons. Anyway, so um, I was going to say, so you don't feel old playing the games. You just feel old when you remember, when you actually see a number, this was 25 years ago. Yes. Okay. I don't feel old when I play the games. No. I, I feel f- like a kid again in a weird nostalgia saying, like, or this feels fun if it's an old 30-year-old game. Because, you know, because if it's an old game, it's a classic. It's still good. Like, I don't feel old when I watch old movies. I saw, I think I caught Jaws on TV the other day, and you have to watch Jaws. It's it's amazing, and like I just watched Jaws. I was like, I don't like. Oh, this movie came out, you know, almost holy shit, forty five years ago. Jaws almost came out. I don't. I didn't feel old watching Jaws. Well, it, it's entertainment. You sort of escape into it. It's That's like, sort of the point. It's like I told people. Um, I, I tell people at work, and I've said this forever. I never stopped playing these games, so it doesn't have a time machine effect. I've always played classic Like movies games. you stop watching, music you might stop listening to in a moment in time, like an 80s song or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there could be something, but like I, I actively keep up on this stuff, So, and, and it's, it's what I enjoy playing. So I've played Genesis since the time I got my Genesis. So when I play something, yeah, I remember playing it when I was younger, but I also played it last week. I played it six months ago. I played it two years ago. It doesn't have that immediate warp back factor because it's something that I've experienced at all times of my life. It's simply when they bring up how old it is. The only thing that really makes me feel like I'm an old man is technology. Because you can literally age yourself by by TVs you watched or types of phones you had or if whether or not you had the internet. And the people that are now younger than us even people that are still in their late 20s have an entirely different experience than what we did yeah and so especially i'll just say if you're on the dating scene and you want to date someone even a little bit younger than you you might have to have a conversation it's like yeah i went to college when the internet was still a new thing and we still researched with like books yeah and the people that look at you like you're fucking crazy when you say something or be like yeah when i grew up we had to share one phone and we had to go or have a touchtone phone where my dad was too cheap to, to, to pay for touchtone or you still hit you hit a nine and you heard nine clicks. Come on, Dad, it was a dollar a month. Kick in. Feel like a pauper. Had a had a had a button phone and it still was rotary. Anyway, sorry. 
Anyway, I didn't need, I didn't need a dollar that badly each month in my life. Anyway, um, so when you when you talk to younger people and you have to explain like you're a man out of time, like you're Rip Van Winkle. It's like, yeah, when I grew up, you had, when you went to the mall, Ian, you had like a little piece of paper with people's phone numbers on there. Oh, I know. And you had to call your mom and, and bring quarters for the payphone and say, hey, mom, come pick me up. You're getting real old guy right now. Yeah. I know. But that's not that long ago. No. That's 20 years ago. Or you ago. call collect, and when they ask your name, you just say, pick me up, and then you hang up the phone. Never did that. Did that. That was smart. They used to have commercials like that, like, like, like the, you're too cheap to call your parents. From the, and so, like, yeah, yeah, I had five, it was a five-pound, six-pounder. Like, and they hung up the phone real quick. I'm doing not doing it justice to that commercial from, like, 1999. Those, and those commercials existed up to, like, 2003 with Ed O'Neill going for 1-800-collect. Now I hear Ed O'Neill doing, like, singular commercials. Ed O'Neill's been, like, the, the phone guy on commercials for, like, 25 years. Sorry, I'm going on a weird tangent about phones. We got to wrap it up. We got to wrap it up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so anyway, technology makes me feel old when you c- communicate to someone else how much it's changed drastically in even the past 20 years. I was watching a movie. I was watching. I I, I caught Swim Fan for some reason. That movie was from like 2000, and the guy is a fucking uh, a beeper on it with messages. Yeah. No cell phones yet. It's like 2000 or 99. That movie. It's not that old. That movie. Sorry, but you don't like those Twitter games. No. Rocky Possum, that's our new new game we're going to make. Uh, someone might do some Rocky Possum art for us. I feel like those. <laughs> All right, that's our CU podcast. The, for the eighth week in a row, will you not get to that Q&A question? Someday. Uh, new NES Punk episode coming out while you're still coming off your turkey hide this weekend. It'll be out. Uh, we're going to put up the, uh, hopefully for Black Friday, I'm going to help put up the Enamel CU Podcast pins for sale. Cool. Check them out. They'll be at uh, ultimatenintendo.com. Redirects to my store. So ultimatenes.com, ultimatesnes.com. They all redirect to my store there. And you can check out my Shopify there. And Ian, Ian will be working there and putting those little pins in baggies and sending them out to you there if you want any. All right. That's Ian Ferguson. That's me. I'm Pat Contry. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Be safe. Eat a lot of turkey, but don't ch- choke on that bone. Gobble, gobble. Don't get that sore mouth. Don't get a sore mouth. <laughs>